0: Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. And uh, as always, it's good to be with you on this Sunday morning. Uh, I want to go ahead and invite you to get in your Bibles. We're going to go to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 42. In Isaiah chapter 42, excuse me, 41, In Isaiah chapter 41, I want us to be encouraged today. I I believe the Lord uh, put something on my heart uh, just a couple of days ago to um, lead us in a a direction just for today. I've uh, been telling you we were going to go through some application, some serious application, and we are. But I cannot uh, can't go against the, the Lord's uh, pressing on me about this uh, passage of Scripture just for today. Um, and I'm going to have to get somebody. Can you hand me that box of tissues, please? You're going to be on uh, the video, but it's, you're good. Just forewarning, uh, thank you so much. After all the work we did on the, on the platform up here, we forgot to put our tissue boxes back. Oh, goodness. Man, God's good, is he not? I want to read this verse to you. Then I want to just simply encourage you to take courage. In Isaiah 41, verse 10, the Bible says this, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand let's pray father I know these words um, were written long ago even in our own lives God when we think about long ago and just just our lifetimes we I don't think could even fathom the totality of just what your word would mean to us in the days ahead. And now we are at a time when these words are, well, they're more prevalent, more needed today than I believe ever have been in, in my lifetime. We got to think that you pinned these words a long, long time ago through the prophet Isaiah. God, would you cause these words to be real to us today? And would you cause us to take courage by the power of the Spirit? In Christ's name, amen. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. He says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. And he says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. If there's anything that I have learned over the last three weeks is that there are a lot of people that are hurting. I've done more counseling in the last two weeks and have more booked in the next two weeks than I ever have in my ministry. I have received messages and emails from people wanting to know what in the world should they do. I can't even imagine some of the pressure that's in this world that we are living in right now. You know, uh, and I'll I'll get into it more in a little bit, but there there are a lot of people that are under tremendous pressure to make huge decisions in short periods of time. One thing that makes it a, a huge decision harder is when the time frame is very short. We are being asked to make decisions on the fly now, big decisions. Some would think that whether or not a kid wears a mask to school is not a big decision, but if you're a parent that cares, that is a huge decision, much less what it is on the kid themselves. You know, we, we honestly and truly don't understand what it's like to be that child in this day and time. Many of us in this room grew up in a time when we didn't have to worry about stuff like that. Our our um, our mental uh, and emotional uh, stability was uh, a lot greater in those days. Didn't say we were were godly, but we there was we didn't have the pressures being put on us. We grew up in a time when we we didn't have people forcing things like that on us didn't have pandemics plagues oh there were a few sicknesses here and there but nothing like we're going through right now and for parents to have to make those choices for their children it's it's a lot of pressure in a little bit of time and it can change tomorrow did you know that all it takes is just one decision And, and i'm not up here saying whether you should or you shouldn't i'm I'll explain that in my message a little bit later, and that's not what my message is all about. But I do want you to know this. I think everybody in this room, everybody that is listening, has been impacted. And now the impact is seems to be changing. I went to a place the other day to get a drink. <laughs> not that kind of drink. But I went to uh, actually went to get a frappe. I used to get them a lot, but I have kind of curtailed myself down some. But I went and I wanted a large. And they said, we'll have to give you a regular and a kitty cup to get all the large. And the kitty cup was one of them little plastic ones with the, the, the stuff on it. It was awesome because I, I sit there and thought about the days back when I, I've got a picture of myself at an at a, a, a outdoor event with a Mountain Dew bottle in my hand, and there wasn't no Mountain Dew in in it. There was something else in it, but it was a cover-up. And I was riding down the road thinking about drinking that frappe in that kitty cup, and that brought back to my mind. I said, nobody knows what I have in my kitty cup. I've got four shots of uh, espresso in my kitty cup, you know. But they couldn't give me a large because there was a shortage on cups and you go to get supplies to do certain things, and you're going to find out that there is a shortage. That's not necessarily a little thing. For people who have been used to, accustomed to having everything at their beck and call, that you and I would go into a store and didn't have to worry about whether it was on the shelves or not, right? Now, that's impacted your life, and that's just a little thing. Who ever believed that you, two people could spend $25 at McDonald's? But that's where we live today. And so we're all having to make decisions about just how much we actually do eat out as a lot of people don't start cooking again. A lot of us is eating sandwiches for supper instead of fixing a full meal. Not to mention all the other decisions that are coming about in our world. And God in Isaiah, in this chapter, along with the others, before uh, before us today, this chapter and those chapters were intended to convict idolaters, but also to console God's worshipers. I believe it's, an admonishment for us even today. Now, I know it was written to them, but I think it is an admonishment to us today to both keep ourselves from idols and to encourage us to trust in our great God. I believe our verse today brings a silence to fears if we'll listen to it and encourages our faith in the times of distress. So what I want to do is I want to dive right on in And I want you to think about this. Think about the fact that our God is a big God. He's a big God. Listen to the verse again. He said, fear not. Just those two words. He says, fear not. Now, I don't know about you, but for somebody to make a declaration like that, that is to be read through all the ages... He's got to be able to back up this no matter what comes. I mean, I know what they're going through in the text. I know what they would go through even after that text, all the way down into the lives of people that we've known ourselves that have been through wars, rumors of wars. They have been through pestilence. They have been through uh, poverty and the Great Depression. But right on up into our lives, those words are still true. He said, fear not. I always wanted to think in my life that I would be able to protect my daughters. Always in my life, I wanted to believe that, that they were safe because of me. That I would be capable of taking care of everything that would come in their lives. And now as I learn more and more about life and more and more about the things that can come into our lives and as individuals... I'm learning that I can't take care of everything. I can't fix it all. I, I can't I can't cure cancer. I, I can't deal with I, I can't fix <laughs> fix it when a baby is in the womb. I barely can't even take care of some of the things in my own life. But our God says to fear not. Let me let you listen to Isaiah 40, verses 9 through 15. He says, O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountains. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid, says the, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, with his arm shall rule. Uh, and his arm shall rule him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in, in scales And the heels in balance. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or has given uh, as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel? And who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as a small dust on the scales. Did you realize that our God's a big God? I don't know what's going on in your life today, but I'll promise you this. There's nothing going on in your life that our God can't take care of. He's a big God. Did you know that God keeps his children close to him? God keeps his children close to him. Listen to the text one more time. He says, Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not. Why? For I am. With you. Psalm 27:10 says, Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. I just was talking with somebody yesterday, and he said something that stuck out to him that's very simple. That Charles Stanley says is that he's always present. That the Lord's always near us. We, we may think that God has gone away for a little while like the prodigal son when the prodigal drifts away from the father's house he goes off into a far country and he comes back to the father and it's a beautiful picture and i think that there are many things that teach us lessons there about our heavenly father but i want you to understand something even though we can drift away from the very presence of the relationship that we have with the lord the lord's always close to us He's always near. You'll never be in a distressing situation where God is not close enough to hear your voice or to touch your situation. That's the God that we serve. Psalm 73, 23 says, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. Did you hear what he said? Nevertheless, I am continually with you you hold my right hand. Psalm 139 verses 7 through 10 says, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. There are a lot of people right now wondering where God's at and what they should do. Our healthcare workers have been put on the spot to make decisions within a short period of time about a big, big thing. Preacher, what do we do? And I'll be honest with you. I wish I was God in the sense that I could give you the answer to those questions. I, I wish I could tell every single person with guidance from God exactly what they should do. And I'll just be truthful with you. I'm trying to figure this thing out myself, but I know one thing, I know that my God knows where you're at. We want they're wondering whether they should take this vaccination because if they don't, they're being threatened that they're going to lose their job. What do we do? I I can speak a lot of things about what I feel as an American. And off the record, biblically, off the biblical record, I can just tell you this. As an American, I'll simply say that at some point in time, somebody's got to stand up. It is the epitome of tyranny when we are told what we have to do. Nobody has ever told us what to do but God. So when we're forced into a corner, if if I can say this, and this is still off the biblical record, just from my heart to yours, it costs something to have the freedom that we have. And I don't know who it will be or if it will be anybody that will sacrifice the luxuries of their lives so that that'll stop. Stop the tyranny that's being pushed upon us. But I know this, when greedy, wicked people get a taste of power, they will not stop until they get total power. You can look through all of the, all of our past history, and you can find that when people who have, well, let's just put it this way, Hitler would not have stopped unless we stopped him until he had finished what he was Wanting to accomplished. Because a deceitful, greedy, nasty, wicked heart knows no boundaries, only what God sets for them. And if God so chooses to let them go, they will go and they will go and they will go. As a matter of fact, Romans 1 says, I have given them over to a debased mind to do what is pleasing in their own hearts, their wicked lust and their desires. So as an American, I can tell you right now, my my heart pleads for a lot of things. As a pastor, my heart breaks because I have people that I know and I've been praying for that are being forced to make a decision that we know very little about. And I can say this from a pastoral standpoint, it ain't fair for people to have not have given us no more information than they've given us and the information that they give us is mixed information. We get told one thing one day by somebody, and we get told something else by somebody else on a different day. And we're expected to make a very serious decision about our bodies and about our lives and our livelihoods. And that's not right. And I want you to know this. At the end of the day, if the wicked people that are behind certain things don't repent, they'll stand before God. Nobody should be forced. Our God does not. If you want to go to hell, our God will not stand in your way. He does not force it upon you. Nobody has a right to do that to you. And God knows that. So God keeps his children close. God brings comfort to his children. I believe that our God brings comfort to his children. Listen again at the verse that we're reading. Fear not, for I am with you. He says, be not dismayed. The idea there is of looking around. You ever been in a situation where you, something was brought to you or was you were approached by someone or a, uh, something, you've heard something, and it was so disruptive that you just didn't know what to do and you just started looking around to see what everybody else was going to do that's the idea of that word there be not dismayed to look around to anxiously looking for one another in dismay or looking at one another in dismay i feel like that's what's going on right now is that nobody really knows what to do and everybody's just looking around going who's Where do we go? What do we do? You know, whether right, wrong, or indifferent, I even told somebody the other day one of the things that I dislike, and, and I have the, a right to dislike, and to you say, well, you don't have the right to judge. No, I have the right to be a fruit inspector of those who profess to be Christians. The Bible says you shall know them by their fruit. And how are you going to know them if you don't inspect? Our current president, one thing that I wish that he would at least do is just stand up and say something. And don't be wishy-washy. Lead. It's almost like getting in the car like I talked about the other day. What are we going to eat? And all the, 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 the turmoil that goes on in, in the car of trying to make a decision because nobody's leading. And that's the whole reason that it's like that, is because there's nobody leading. Instead of somebody saying, get in the car, we're going to go eat. Where are we going? You just sit in the car and we'll know when we get there. Can I get a witness? Anybody in here ever been told that before? I know I have. Just keep your mouth quiet. You'll know when we get there. How long is it going to take? You'll find out. But you got to hand it to some leadership, don't you? Wouldn't it be great if we just had somebody at the moment leading us? We're all looking around trying to figure out what to do, and we don't know which way to turn because this is being told and that's being told. Psalm 147, 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Who comforts us with all our in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That God is there, our God is here to comfort us. That, that we are to take courage, because our God's a big God. He keeps his children close, and he comforts his children. They are in his midst. Did you know that God knew what he was getting when he got you? God knew what he was getting when he got you. Listen to the verse again. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Sometimes it boggles my mind to think of God as dying for me that that he would he would care for me you know maybe if I would try my best and I would clean myself up and put on some clean clothes and take a shower and fix my hair and brush my teeth and live as best I can live for a little while maybe just maybe I would be somewhat worthy to be kept in the presence of somebody of such greatness there's no way There's no way for you and I, because all we can do is clean up the outside. Only God can take care of the inside. 2 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That our God knew what he was getting. He knew that we would be in every situation that we would be in when we, before we ever got into him. Did you realize that God is so pleased to love you that he doesn't regret it one bit? Some of us think that maybe when we trip and fall and stumble and stuff, that, you know, I wonder if God is so displeased with me. Can I just help you out a little bit? God was displeased with you before he died for you. That's why he died for you. Listen to what it says, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I want you to think about that. Take just a moment and think about this. That Christ knew you before he bought you on the cross he decided to die for you before then so often we think that god maybe just doesn't want to maybe he don't want to deal with me no more maybe i'm too much for him but do you realize that he knew what he was getting into when he got you some of us go out and we buy things and we buy them used and we take a chance on them we gamble on them and when we get them home and we find out that maybe somebody shisted us and they just told us some lies or maybe they didn't tell us things that they should have told us and we find that the thing that we bought wasn't what it was advertised to be that's why those reviews on amazon are so amazing right Make sure that the thing's got a couple thousand reviews and it's at least at least four and a half stars, if not more. You get two thousand people to say that it's almost perfect, you've done something good. But see God knew the reviews on you, but he didn't he knew everything about you. He knew everything about me, and yet he still purchased us. So wherever you're at right now, I want you to hear this real good. Wherever you're at right now and whatever you're facing, be of good courage. You're not in a situation that God didn't know you were going to be in. He took all this on. I don't know if I've got anybody in the room that's ever adopted a child before. I've not. But you signed up for that. If you have a child that you birthed yourself, you signed the dotted line on that one too, whether you realize it or not. And as you go through the years, Christy and I were just joking in the car yesterday about the fact that we change. She said, you knew what you was getting into when you married me. I, and I just kept quiet. She said, well, you didn't know what I was going to be like later on, did you? And the same goes for me. It's amazing, for better or worse, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. They, they kind of knew what they was talking about, didn't they? That there would be some better and there'd be some worse. There'd be some sickness, there'd be some health. Richer and poorer for the long haul. but See, God is different. He knew what he was getting from the beginning. Did you know that he's growing us? You may wonder what God's doing in your life. Isaiah 41, verse 10, once again, he says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. He says, for I am your God. And to just put an exclamation point on there, he's not ashamed to be your God if he paid for you when he knew what he was getting. He says, I will strengthen you. Psalm 63, 8 says, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 reads like this. Now, therefore, and these are our verses that we've been in and we'll get back to, Lord willing, If you're a Christian today, and you've been a Christian for any length of time, you're going to realize that you're not where you used to be. At least you shouldn't be where you used to be. That you are to be growing. But it's God who's growing you and growing me. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians chapter 2. And and so when we think about that, that God's growing us. If you're a new Christian, God's going to grow you. God's going to grow you, and and, and through the seasons of life, he's going to grow you. Why do I bring this up? Other than the fact that it's walking through the text, think about what we're going through today. You're having to make decisions today that you never have had to make in your life before. And it is a part of God growing us. God allowed it. Nothing's got past him. The the choices that are laid before you today and the pressures that are put on you, guess what? They sifted through the hands of God. We can sit here and say that, 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 you know, these people did this or this person did that. Yes, they did, but they did it at God's allowing them to do it. And could it very well be that God's growing you in the midst of it? Could it be that God's growing you in the midst of what's going on in your life right now? You say, I don't know if I want to grow if this is what growing's like. (laughs) That's why when I mention that about that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. You read this book, that's a staggering thing to say once you know what this book says because it doesn't paint this beautiful little road on the way to heaven. He says that they persecuted me. What do you think they're going to do to you? That we went, He went through tribulations and trials and testings and promised us that we'd end up enduring the same types of things, that we would be ridiculed by people, that our own family members sometimes would forsake us. Those closest to us would turn their backs on us. You know, isn't it amazing? And we we look and and we, we go, oh, God just wants the whole family to be together. Well, I don't doubt that that might not be what he wants, but what's the reality of it? The reality of it is that he wrote that your father and your mother may forsake you, abandon you, but the Lord will stay near to you. And if you want to come follow after him, you must be willing to forsake father, mother, and sister, and brother follow after him and we can go on and on and on with text that leads us to believe that god's telling us everybody that starts with us won't finish with us and that's hard isn't it i mean let's just be honest we all want to, everybody to be together and everybody to be happy but is that the reality of what's going to happen see if we're going to take courage If if we're going to be strengthened by this verse, we have to understand that God's in the process of growing you and growing me. Do you know what he says? He says, I prune so that you might bear more fruit. In other words, he literally cuts things away out of our lives so that we might bear more fruit for him. That, That only the cross before me, the world behind me, Cross before me. And every time that that, that that reality is more and more in our lives, guess what happens? We bear more fruit. We become more and more in the image of Christ, and we bear more fruit. He's growing us. Do you know that God shelters us while he grows us? Isn't that great that God shelters us while he grows us? Listen, Listen to Isaiah 41, verse 10 again. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yes, I will help you. And the idea here is of the fact that God uh, is, is a help in this process that's going on. I'll strengthen you, and I'll help you. While God's growing us, God shelters us. Isaiah 41, verse 13, it says, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand, It is I who says to you, fear not, for I am one who helps you. Psalm 91, 1 through 4 says, He he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers And under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That while we're growing, God is sheltering us. How would you like to take your children and just thrust them out into the world right now? That's not what good parents do, is it? I mean, there's a point in time where we got to boot them out of the nest. Amen? There's a point in time. You're 41 years old. It's time to put the game boy down. It's time to get off the couch. It's time to it's, you know, it's time to make a living on your own son. Aren't you glad that while we're trying to figure this thing out that we don't graduate till we get to heaven? Amen? That while we're trying to figure this thing out, we're not perfect at what we're doing. The Lord's teaching us and he's growing us. That he's got his wings. His, we're sheltered up under the hand of the Almighty. That God, when we, when we make a, a mistake or stumble here as God's growing us, that the enemy, the, the fowler, the pestilence, is not allowed to just rush in and overtake us. But if we'll find ourselves before the face of Almighty God, that God is sheltering us and taking care of us. I bet there's some folks in here right now that in your darkest hours, you felt the covering of the Lord God sheltering you and and, and caring for you and and watching over you. You You know the greatest place that one of my kids could get for safety for me is to humbly just crawl up in my lap. instead of out here acting like a fool, just humbly crawl up in Dad's lap. Do you know that if we'll stay in that place, a place of humility, that even during a time like this, we have to be careful not to become arrogant and prideful. And so I, I can say this to you. I can tell you this, that if you make a decision with the pressures that are put on you today, if you make a decision and you make it out of your own arrogance and your own pride and the peer pressure that's around you, you might be, better be careful because you might reap what you have sown. But if you will in humility stay before the throne of Almighty God and let God guide you, let God lead you, I promise you he won't lead you wrong, and if you stumble while you're in the growing process, I promise you without a shadow of a doubt that that he who dwells in the shadow of the Almighty will be protected and taken care of. I put it in layman's terms. God's grace takes care of idiots and children. Amen. I'm so glad that God put provisions in there for me even as an adult. <laughs> that God, man, I don't know about you, but I've made some I've made some moves that I probably shouldn't have made, but the majority of them, God knew my heart and my intentions in it, and I, maybe I made a mistake, but God covered me. And see, I think that that's something that we need to be careful about. It is so easy, and I want to become arrogant myself in the day that we, we live in, I really do. There's some things I want to say that I know I shouldn't say. There's some things I want to want to do that I know I shouldn't do. I don't like to see people take advantage of other people. I really don't. It it drives me up the wall. It makes me, honestly, it makes me fighting mad in my flesh. But I also have to realize that I'm not God, and I have to watch for the sovereignty of God at at work in the land of the living. Here on this earth, <clears throat> do you know that God has big hands? God has big hands. Everybody jokes at me about something about having big hands. My dad's got big hands. I promise you, I know. They're double minded. But did you know that God's hands are so big? I was woke up. This is where God started me with this message today. A few nights ago, uh, He woke me up, and I just got to thinking about God. I can't, I can't care for these people like you, you can. I don't even know that I have the capacity, God, to 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 strengthen or undergird or, or encourage all the people that are hurting right now and all the questions that they have and the first thing that come to my mind is his hands big enough to take care of them but then i wonder sometimes you know it's like we we, we often attribute man human characteristics to non-human entities uh and in and in in, and i want to read this it, it's a it's a literary device here in our text it says i will uphold you with my righteous right hand and it's like i said it's a a literary device in which body parts are used figuratively in reference to to an attribute or concept regarding god rather than a physical body part we simply cannot imagine the lord as he actually is the concepts outside of our understanding I mean, we think about God, but we know God's not a... As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God is spirit because those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So, I mean, I realize that the Bible says that God measured out all that there is in the span of his hand from from this point to this point in human speaking, sometimes roughly averaged about nine inches, that he measured that out that he weighed the mountains, and I get all that, but we know that God didn't literally do that. As a matter of fact, in creation, we know that God simply spoke, and it became. But the idea here that God's trying to get across to us is for us to understand that God is big, and that his hand is capable of holding on to us and taking care of us, For instance, the same power which held back the waters of the Red Sea also submitted to the agony of the crucifixion. Isn't that awesome? Just to think about how big God is, but yet how accurate and compassionate God is. He held back the waters of the Red Sea, but yet he allowed nails to be driven in to crucify him. The religious leaders... In our text, we're looking for a warrior who would wrap his fingers around the hilt of a sword. And they refused to see the evidence of prophecy, which did not match their image of the Messiah. Pharisees and followers knew Jesus was special. He met many prophetic criteria, but the cross dashed all their hopes. Well, if he is the Messiah, then... Why has God died on a cross? How could a crucified God be powerful? If he had promised to hold us in the palms of his hands, why was he permitting them to be destroyed? See, the only problem I think we get into when we, is when we try to envision God in human perspectives is that we limit just how big God truly is. He says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And this might not be some flamboyant message or something like that, but I want you to hear my heart, folks. The folks in this room, the folks watching online, and those that will watch even beyond. I can't walk you through this but God can walk us through this. God, God can lead us and guide us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The psalmist knew that. And yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with all... My cup runs over. And if there's anything that you and I need is to get so close to God that no matter whether the valley of the shadow of death is before us, nor our enemies before us, that our cup would be running over because our God is big enough and his hand is strong enough to take care of us. You got to draw close to him. This is a day that we live in that's going to cause people to have to live what they've been saying they believe. John 10, 28 says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Verse 29 says, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. If there's one thing that I know is that they cannot take us away from him. Nobody can snatch us out of his hands. And we've got to quit living so much for the here and now and start living for the there and then. From the perspective of John 10, prophecy was yet to be fulfilled. But if they had reviewed Isaiah's words more carefully, they might have realized that Isaiah 49, 16 foreshadowed the cross. Listen to 49 verses 14 through 16 he said but zion said the lord has forsaken me my lord has forsaken me can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb even these may forget yet i will not forget you behold i have engraved you on the palms of my hands your walls are continually before me did you hear what he said he says don't you fret For I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. And many believe that that is a prophetic statement about the cross of Calvary where Jesus Christ when the nails pierced his hands that you and I were written on God's hands at that very moment and that he'll never, ever, ever forget us. As a matter of fact, I know that in heaven he still bears the scars that he bore on Calvary's cross. For us, God's hand's big enough And if I can leave you with any encouragement, do you realize that when all the pandemics are gone, when all the vaccines are gone, when all the the, the shortages of materials and supplies are gone, and when all of the wickedness is over with, there will remain but one, one God. After it's all settled, and he's trying to tell us Don't fret. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you. He said, I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. So if I could leave you with that, when you make your decisions in this day and time, you better not listen to every doctor that you can get your hands on on some YouTube video or some other video. You better not listen to everybody that's on CNN, Fox, NBC, and all this other stuff. I can promise you that there's one that knows more about what you need to do than anybody else. It's him. And if you've got peace with him about what you do and you're his child, then guess what? You're in the right place. There's a lot of people look down on folks that have taken the vaccine and a lot of people look down on folks that haven't taken the vaccine. I wish all of them folks would look toward Jesus because I'm not your God and you're not mine. Let every man do what's right in his own eyes before the Lord and let the Lord be the judge of them all and sort it all out. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for just a moment. This morning, I I really feel just led to do this. As always, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, today can be that day. If God has opened your eyes to your need for salvation, I would encourage you, whether you're online or whether you're here in person, that you would get before God, that you would repent and believe upon what Christ did on Calvary's cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. Put your faith in him and find somewhere to lead you in, in baptism and discipleship so that you might grow for the days ahead. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life Uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for Him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you. loved the world so much that he gave his son for us. <laughs> Amen. God bless you guys.